0: We have uncovered stunning machines used in temples to create illusion and magic, statues that cry tears of blood, temples that roar with thunder, and chariots that levitate in the air. These were machines of the gods. Today, we are accustomed to the magnificence of the temples of the ancients and the gods that inhabited them. But it is only recently that the engineering marvels of the temple and its religious ceremonies are becoming known. What the ancient manuscripts now reveal might cause us to rethink everything we thought we knew about the ancient world. The priests of this time were almost like magicians or conjurers and they would manipulate the worshippers and they would generate an atmosphere. It would be the sort of peak of the particular rite of worship. More than 2,000 years ago, religion played an incredibly important role in society. Crowds flocked to their local temples, but not for spiritual comfort. Hello, and welcome to Why Are We Like This, the true crime podcast that treats Florida like the active crime scene it is. I'm your host, David Guinness, and I am being joined on my other line by my fellow co host from the Empire State. He's feeling a little trepidatious about his Nixon 5 prediction. Uh, Gerald Doherty, hello, Jer. I, I,
1: the math is not on my side, but uh, I'll be on the right side of history. That's all I'll say. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, our guest might not agree with you. Uh, you might know him from his efforts to keep Miami's shoreline clean, removing more than 10 tons of uh, submerged trash to date. You also might know him as the author of Miami Creation Myth, the recently published, long-anticipated satirical ode to an imaginary origin story for our magic city. You can find Miami Creation Myth wherever books are sold. We, of course, recommend Books and Books if you're down here in South Florida. Um, we're going to be talking about his environmental activism, the new book, and much more. Andrew Tasso, welcome to Why We Like This. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. No, it's a pleasure to have you. I should mention that beyond being a uh, a book, Miami Creation Myth is also kind of like a full-blown content vertical. You can visit it, visit it at uh, miamicreationmyth.com. Check out everything in the Miami Expanded Universe from uh, out, of, <laughs> out of Andrew's head. Um, I'm hoping we can talk through some of the news items and so on, but uh, particularly Florida's new brutal immigration law, cracking down on yeah. families, friends, coworkers, uh, and the undocumented. We're going to touch on a few... Um, of the not that surprising effects from that law uh, that we've seen on social media, at least over the weekend. But first, I want to start with you, Andrew. I was fortunate, as we mentioned before, to attend a reading of yours recently, and my family really enjoyed um, the, the book. Uh, I'm wondering if we could start with you, as, with you telling us how you got the idea for the book where you came up with this, this concept of a uh, Miami creation myth.
2: Oh, boy. Um, the idea for the book, I don't know. My head is, uh, is a carnival. There's a lot of crazy <laughs> ideas in there all the time. And I happen to be on a plane ride over to uh, Breckenridge, Colorado uh, for my buddy's bachelor party where it, it just like, I don't know, I just started writing down the first chapter of the Miami Creation Myth and you know for you know your listeners who aren't familiar with it basically the same way the greeks or the romans or the egyptians have their own pantheon of gods and goddesses i did the same thing so but for miami um so you know my creator god is named pachango and he wakes up on a divine ping bang boom and he creates the sun and then his mother berates him about the electricity bill so he has Mm -hmm. to turn off the sun and move to a different universe so it's very silly it's very tongue-in-cheek um but you know, it has turned into this massive monster, like you said at the intro, where it's not just a book. But you know, I've I've made, I think I'm at like thousand six hundred memes and like sixty something essays and short stories that I publish all the time on my social media handles. So. It's ah, uh, it's quite the monster. And then there's a the weekly newsletter and we have stage adaptations and live readings and the audiobook which is forthcoming. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, it's this giant thing.
0: Yeah, it was a lot of fun seeing um a couple of what what were the names of the two young protagonists of the of, of the section that you read when we were listening? Ah, uh,
2: yes. So the second half of the book is called the Cafecito Odyssey, where basically a deep malaise falls upon Miami and these two hero twins, Marta and Cupita who are named after my grandmother's have to go to the different kingdoms or communities, if you will, of Miami to get the constituent parts of cafecito to wake everybody up.
0: So, was this a thing where, like, you felt as a? And it bears mentioning that uh, Andrew's a, a native Miamian. Um, unlike anybody on this podcast, actually, interestingly, for all <laughs> the time for all the time that we've spent in Miami, none of us are yeah. are, are, are native born. Um, was this? Did this come from a place where it was like Miami kind of lacks its own? deep history, everything is so new. I mean, it, do you think that some of that was was playing into your 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 decisions and the, the sort of mythology that you built up?
2: That's a good question. So for my community in particular, so I'm Cuban-American. My parents are Cuban refugees. Um, and that will tie back into our later conversation about this, uh, this bill making its way through the Florida legislature. Um, but definitely for my community, Miami is new, is very new. Um, for us, at least, um, it's it's you know it has hundreds of years of history. The Tequesta and the Calusa, and then the Seminole and the Miccosukee occupied these lands for hundreds of years before we ever got here. But in its current iteration, Miami is a very young city. It was incorporated what 100 years and change ago. Um, so yeah, it is unlike you know New York or Boston, which I lived in, which is 400 years old. It doesn't have that deep history relative to to other cities. So, but I still think in my mind that it is such a rich place, culturally speaking, that it does deserve its own mythos.
0: I mentioned at the top that a lot of the folks who recognize your name probably do not from your authorship, but more from your activism and your, your environmental work that you've done cleaning uh, the bay, cleaning the, um, like the areas surrounding the Virginia Key. Um, so I, I think it's more than 10 Tons of trash that you've managed to pull out, right? How did how did this become a project for you? Like, yeah. what where did that come from? Just past twenty three
2: thousand pounds now, yeah. um, and I've I've been at it for seven years, and um, it started from a place of frustration um, because I you know would venture out into the mangroves, which is an area that I've been exploring since I was thirteen. I love this area; it's beautiful. Um, and I'd go, you know, seeking solace and I'd, I'd get, I'd wind up being very, very upset. Um, cause it looked like a landfill, um, literally like every place yeah. you stepped was trash. Um, so I started methodically picking it up without the slightest inclination that anybody would care at all whatsoever. Um, because like, who the hell cares about some guy picking up trash right. in a swamp? Um, but to my eternal gratitude for some reason, people connected with it because um, I would go out there and I'd record it and I'd post about it. And yeah, um, in 2019, I wanted to take that the trash or this problem quite literally out of the mangroves and present it to as many Miamians as possible. So I walked the 2019 Miami Marathon carrying 35 pounds of mangrove trash, um, all 26 miles. It took me yep. nine hours and 15 minutes and then came back the next year with the team so i learned my lesson about how painful it is to do that by yourself <laughs> and the we price. pulled a oh god it's terrible um and then uh we pulled a 135 pound trash cart the the length of the marathon so you know my i was very pleasantly surprised that people cared and um yeah i'm still at it i'd, I'd be at it even if nobody cared um but yeah
0: i'm gonna be doing this until probably i keel over jared Ger- he's he's got the thing going gerald where like um it's it, it reminds me of New York. I don't know if you remember in the city a few years ago when people were like filling in the uh, the potholes. and They were getting they were like getting arrested <laughs> yeah. because the city doesn't <laughs> yeah. like when people Makes come and do bad, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Andrew, can you that. tell us?
2: Um. So I'm going to preface this by saying. That I currently have a very good working relationship with Miami Dade County. Okay. Um. So that's that's the area that I mostly clean up in Barrica Preserve. Though I've I've also worked with the National Park Service, City of Miami, Village of Key Biscayne. Um, initially, when I did start working uh, on this on my own, and and word started spreading, um, I did get uh, some pushback from. Um, a local employee who shall remain nameless, <laughs> um, who wanted, who is threatening me with, uh, uh, with basically banning me from these areas. Cause technically it was trespassing, even though I had my handlers at the County and at these other municipalities, and I would always coordinate with them, right. but apparently, um, they didn't like the fact that I was going in and, and picking up the trash. So that blew over. And I haven't had really any issues since then, luckily. That's good.
0: But one thing that you have been able to do since then is amplify this. It's not just a one man show anymore, right? Like you're able to reach other people. You make group outings out of this. I mean, like, what was your strategy to try to, um, you know, get uh, get this to be more than just the Andrew Show, but to get like a lot of people, you know, right. showing up.
2: Absolutely. So the the videos, for the content, the videos, for example, of me picking up is just the entry point for people to learn about this as an issue. So this is like a, cons- I work in public relations. Um, this is a very conscious public relations campaign that I've been doing for several years. Um, wherein initially through social media, yes, you will see videos or pictures of me picking up trash and, you know, spark curiosity and people will be like, what the hell is this guy doing? And that's the point at which I can then uh, basically educate them on how severe this problem is in South Florida. And that's then allowed me to, I guess, increase the visibility of the problem by doing like the activations that I did with the My Marathon, or I published a, uh, an op-ed in the Herald. I've been covered in Reuters and all sorts of other outlets, Runner's World, for example. And so helping build that core base of support, um, But, and also I do take out groups um, with quite some frequency out into the mangroves, everyone from Frost Museum of Science to the Girl Scouts. But I don't want everyone to go into the mangroves to start picking up trash. Um, Because if we're just trying to address this problem, you know, where I'm at, I'm literally at the farthest end of this problem possible, like all the way downstream. There's a little stream of trash and I want to go upstream and I want people to make this an electoral issue. I want them to go to their... Uh, elected representatives and say, I care about this. What are you doing to fix this? And if you're not, I'll find someone who who will. Um, And in order to do that, you need to have that grassroots space of support that for whom this is an important issue. Um, And yeah, I've been at that for years.
1: Is there a vision in your mind of what a fix would be? Like obviously this track, I mean, it is, I mean, some of it is just falling from, you know, out of people's cars or what have you. But um, cause I was going to say, it's not like it's falling out of the sky, but maybe in some, level, yeah. it kind of is. Yeah. Um, but I want to ask, like, is there a vision for you of what a fix for this would be at the electoral level?
2: Right. There, there isn't one fix that, that will solve this. Mm-hmm. Um, there are multiple different, um uh I guess, Programs that you can implement in order to start to address the problem at the source. So most of the trash uh, um, is sourced from the street level. So people will literally just leave trash like on the sidewalk and then it rains and that goes into um, into the gutter. And then without any filtration whatsoever, that goes directly into the bay and then to the mangroves. So there are very simple things that you can do midstream. Um, so, before it gets into the ocean, right, you can implement trash traps, smart gutters, things like that to stop the trash from getting into that ocean or at least start to stop the larger pieces. Another very, very important piece of this puzzle is once again, as the bad idea factory that that it is, the Florida State Legislature passed years ago a ban of plastic bans at the municipal level. Right. So, the city of Miami can't a plastic bag ban or Miami beach or anybody else they can they can essentially try to incentivize and work with private companies and or the, and organizations to implement alternatives to plastics but they can't do their own bans and so without that that is just crippling efforts to try to reduce the amount of plastic uh possible but what i would ultimately like to see is go as far extreme as possible so to the manufacturers and have them use alternative materials to plastics things that are either inert or biodegradable Biodegradable, that's what i would like to see
0: yeah i mean that makes sense but it's to your point even in places like miami far removed we talked about this last week Gerald. far removed from tallahassee we're still we still feel that downward push from um you know from from the state capital like 500 miles away or however far away it is um I was wondering, as as one of as the only one of us here on this call who's born and raised in Miami, if you could talk a little bit about the the identity of being from Miami, because a lot of what I what what appeals to me a lot about what you write and what you talk about is that it is juxtaposed against that like that identity, and and we yeah. don't I think don't take enough pride in it. Um, I want to read a little clip from um, from something that you recently published on uh, miamicreationmyth.com. It's from your, from your most recent article, which I, you were telling me pre show you, you caught a little bit of shit over, and we can get into that too. Uh, so sure. it's it's this: the love we hold for our city runs deep and strong, but is not a positive sense of pride. Bostonians, New Yorkers, Chicagoans, and Philadelphians are famous for insisting on the greatness their cities uh, and the greatness of their cities to outsiders and each other. We don't really do this. Our pride is more reactive. It surfaces most strongly uh, when we leave and or others badmouth Miami. We are proud of our diverse cultures, tastemaker status, hustler mentality, and the ceaseless drive of many of our immigrant parents who turned Miami from a Southern tourist backwater into a cosmopol- cosmopolitan world city. We're not particularly proud of the city itself, largely because it fucking sucks, right? And um, I love that. It reminds me a lot, Jared, I think we've talked to you before about the, uh, the, the, the movie, Last Black Man in San Francisco, where the main character uh, overhears two, you know, sort of like white suburban girls who transplants from L.A. talking shit about San Francisco and how much it sucks. Yeah. And he says, do you love it? And they turn around and they're like, what do you mean? And he goes, do you love it? You're not allowed to hate it unless you love it. And that's the way I feel about mm-hmm. Miami. But what were you thinking mm-hmm. when, when when you wrote that, Andrew?
2: So. the so as as I lay out at the very beginning of that article, there's these two feelings that a lot of Miamians hold in their hearts at the same time. And again, I'm not going to gatekeep who can call themselves a Miamian. My parents weren't born here. They weren't even born in this country. And Miami is made up almost, you know, the majority by immigrants, either from Latin America or from Europe or from the Caribbean or from other parts of the United States. Um, but there's this these two feelings that so many of us hold at the same time where you love this city you absolutely love the city with a passion but at the same time it drives you insane yeah. because it could for me personally it could be so much better it could be it could per, like just the complete lack of social services for example So, you know, you want to get from one end of Miami, this, this county is huge. You want to get from Homestead to Aventura, good luck luck. in any situation, unless you have a helicopter. So, you know, if you have a car, great. It's still going to take you like three hours. If you don't, you're not going to move. Like, what are you going to do? Take a bus? No, we don't have a functioning public transit system, for example. Um, our politicians are much more interested in like low crawling through little Havana to freaking try to shut down ball and chain or chase down communist conspiracies than actually providing the Miamians their own constituents services that they deserve that in many cases they've paid for but aren't getting. Um, and it's I, I, you know, I've I've lived in other cities, I've lived in other countries, and I've seen. What it's by no means are they perfect, but they at least have some standard wherein, you know, they provide some services of use to literally everyone, while many of our own politicians are just trying to get one up on the other guy or whatever community they don't like for whatever reason they have. Um, So, yeah, that was the source of my frustration Um, as for my identity as a Miamian. Um, you know, I live at the intersection of, of various different cultures. So I'm Cuban American. I was born here. I didn't speak English until I was five. Um, so I'm, you know, Hispanic, but, you know, traveling through Latin America, you're always told like, you're not exactly Latino cause you're yeah, from right. the United States. Mm-hmm. So like, I stopped telling people I was Cuban. I would just tell them I'm Miami and it's up mm-hmm. to you to figure out what that means. <laughs> I don't care. I know who I am. Like you want to know who I am? okay figure it out Miami that's my identity
0: <laughs> it's it's not that far off from being New Yorkian. it's I mean like it being being from Puerto <laughs> Rican and being being Puerto Rican and being from New York is I mean it carries a lot of the same uh, a lot of the same vibes especially like the um, where you're probably from in New York like I'm from you know Long Island and Queens outer borough type you know if you were born mm-hmm. when I was born then by then you know the, the the Puerto Rican bomb that had landed had sort of diffused out into Queens and Long Island. Gerald, Gerald knows these classic migration patterns. I do. yeah. Gerald, Gerald's, Gerald's ancestors were um, always one step ahead, running away from the Puerto Ricans.
1: Actually, so my, my, uh, not my grandpa, my great grandpa was uh, a contract builder um, who was constantly, uh, if, if the story that they tell in the Irish, are always telling lies about their ancestry, but the story <laughs> is true. Constantly, uh, escaping from new york city to go work on contract jobs in the bahamas so he was always in and out of uh of uh what is it the islands and and the mainland just depending on where the next gig was (laughs) that's That's amazing yeah
0: that's a that 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 in itself is a is a movie um one day they're gonna make a movie about this era i think of miami and i'm oh and i'm wondering because i mean like is it a tragedy what is it (laughs) yeah i think it's part tragedy part farce i could see yeah. Um, you know, I could see, uh, what's his name? Big Short, Joe, the director of Big Short. What's his name? Adam McKay. Adam McKay making yeah. it. Uh, it. It, it kind of ties, ties into, and I'm not saying that it would necessarily be good. Um, it kind of ties into like this weird flux that we've had. And from your perspective, Andrew, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it, right? Like from whether it's the tech bros, whether it's like Art Basel, just something as mm-hmm. banal as traffic um things that are more profound like the the way that I don't know if you felt this too but it feels like there's been a change in values there's been like kind of like a distancing from family and community a little bit I I, the word that I tried to come up with when I was like how am I going to ask Andrew this question was like people feel like more brutal and I don't know the right word in English to say it but Mm -hmm. just kind of like dumbly selfish and I don't know Miami is changing I don't like the trend as a somebody who's been here almost twenty years, I don't know what do you attribute it to. Do you see the same like the same um, drift amongst our actual people?
2: What I what I see among different communities here in Miami that I interact with is a sense of being under siege. Of like it, it it's like the game is rigged against you. Um, like the city, the city has always not always, but for much of its history has had a side to it that, that panders to a moneyed outside class that comes in and decides that it owns a slice of the city. Um, and as a result, you know, native Miamis or people that move here, whatever, people try just trying to make a go of it in the city um, that don't have those... Um, Resources are pushed to the margins. But that was, I feel like that was relegated to a, a certain number of neighborhoods, Brickle, downtown to a lesser extent, Edgewater. Um, and then it's just, you know, within the last 10 years and definitely within the last five years, you've had such an influx of so many people with so much money. Um, again, not just, you know, we've always had, you know, your oligarchs from Venezuela or, you know, the seven families that rule whatever Latin American country, <laughs> yeah. whether it's Colombia or Brazil or Argentina or whatever, come here and, and buy properties and stuff. But like there was an explosion of people coming in, especially during the pandemic where they realized, oh, you know, it's warm there all the time and I can work from wherever. So, you know, why am I going to spend, you know, $5,000 a, a month for a one bedroom in Manhattan where I can, you know, put that money away and buy, ca- you know, Buy house, cash wherever in in Miami, and just live there. So I feel like you know people. I definitely feel this. Maybe I'm maybe I'm uh, projecting a little bit that like there's just it's just become very difficult to survive in this city. Um, it wasn't easy to begin with, seeing as how the average Miami, I believe, made thirty seven thousand dollars a year. The average family fifty two thousand dollars a year. Um and that that's not a lot to live on, but as everything is increasing in price, especially real estate, that dream that my parents were able to fulfill, wherein they came to this country and they were able to start a business and buy a house and all that stuff, um, that's gone. Mm-hmm. Like like that that just doesn't exist for me, and it feels like when I see all these different elected officials, you know, <laughs> Mayor Francis Suarez being like the prime example but he's not the only one he's just an easy person to like point to you know telling all these tech bros and whatnot to come to miami you know i asked myself like are you the mayor of san francisco or are you the mayor of miami because you're not really working for your constituents you're just trying i mean it's it's ruining the lives of so many people in the city um and so that's that's the pervading feeling that you know i see among these different communities Um, and, and not to like rag on tech bros too much. I just feel like it's just, they're an easy example to point to, but it's throughout the professional classes here in Miami. Um, when, you know, outsiders tend to come in, then what they tend to do is that they form their own little, it's like Hong Kong. They form their little expat enclaves and they only circulate exactly. And they only circulate in that, in that. And then, you know, the rest of Miami be damned.
1: I do think so I was in Miami from January 2016 to around Christmas 2019, so just shy of four years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could see visibly um, what you're talking about um, with the, the concentrations of wealth and then a lot of economic security uh, surrounding it, that it was a very like patchy city. You could see like the image of Miami, but you couldn't be a part of it. It was like a city Mm -hmm. where it's very easy. And I think like that transactionalism at the level of policymaking does infect a lot of people's social relationships in the city at large, where if you're just trying to keep your head above water and get a slice of the pie or a bite at that apple, that probably is going to inform how it is you orient yourself to others. Anyway, if you're struggling, you probably don't want to stay struggling. You probably want to get ahead. And so a lot of your, Uh, relationships are formed around getting ahead and it does that that so that economic insecurity i do think breeds social insecurity as well where you people i've i find that like people would there there was one there was one time um there was someone i won't use their name but and someone i care about very much um i said no 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 name them i i said I said, like I, I, was going up north um, for a, a friend from high school. Their their parent had passed away, and I, I was going up to Tono the dad. And she said, "Oh, you didn't you didn't outgrow your high school friends?" And I was like, "What do you? I am not following. Like I don't understand what that means." She <laughs> says, "Like once you're done with someone, you're done with them. Like you're on you're on to the next. You're moving up. You're moving up. Brutal. You're moving up." And I was I was like, "That that is just not." It felt so cold to hear, but for for her, it was like that's that's just how it is here. No, like, but not, by the way, yeah. extra
0: fucked up, right, Andrew? Because yeah. like, because <laughs> Miami is it, like maybe in pra- in 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 theory, people think that way, but in practice, that's I, the thing. I got I, I got yeah. my I got my fucking roof done because my best friend is still part of a Columbus 2001 graduating uh, class right. group chat yeah. where he was right. like, mm. hey. Hey, what's up? Who's who, who who's who knows who I can hire for a roofing business? And they came and did the right. work. And it's so crazy yeah. that like Miami is transactional in the way you're talking about, Sherry, but it's also transactional right. in the the roots too. I mean, like right. yeah, it's it's that's but, weird.
1: and it's and it's not like that, like that person's a great person. It's not a bad person, but just like that level of like what your priority should be. I think it is like you can see it at the level of policymaking, certainly, like whoa like Bitcoin, uh, NFT guys, board ape guys, come on in. If you've got the money, come on and set up shop. And if yeah. you're only ever thinking about that, then it, it, i do think it seeps into the wider culture. Yeah.
0: Well, listeners of the show uh probably flagged Andrew's um, quiet reference to Miami City Commissioner Joe Carollo, who is like uh, yeah. very very famous for um, you know, uh, exacting reprisals on on Citizens or business owners and people who don't uh, don't agree with him or don't pay him money to you know I guess host events at their bars and pubs and whatnot Um, and the transactional nature of that it it reminds me a lot of like the time when when the the Miami um, the the Marlins Stadium was kind of like a point of contention which it still is. Why do you do this to me? (laughs) (laughs) And what? Why do you open up that wound? (laughs) The specific part of that that diseased festering wound that I want to open up is the part where <laughs> we all remember like, okay, here comes this money coming down to Miami and uh, and here's this opportunity and everybody who should be looking out for, you know, to your earlier point, Andrew, for, for the citizens, for the existing constituency, for the people who are already here. Instead, they're jockeying for, you know, VIP tickets. They're jockeying for like, Oh, if I'm, if I'm Carlos Alvarez, former mayor, how can I get contracts with this, with this, you know, in, in exchange for my support for this project? How can after I eventually get uh you know ousted from office for my support of this project and other reasons, how can I like kind of you know get get my beak wet a little bit? And it's really hard to build any kind of community when the the people that we elect and that, that, that are representing us, like that's their primary thing. Like Bitcoin, huh? How can I squeeze a few dollars out of Bitcoin? Tech, how can I squeeze a few bucks that are a little bit of national relevance out of out of that? And it's tough, man, because I also feel like Miami is also like us as a people, we also tend to be, even though we're great at spotting bullshit, we also are great at falling <laughs> for bullshit. And I don't know why that that dichotomy exists.
2: I, I have some theories. Um, <laughs> I feel like part of it is um, Latin American culture and history. So, you know, we love our caudillos; We love them. Um, it doesn't matter on the right or on the left. You bring a strong man in and people fucking, they're just like, all right, fine. Yeah, this is our guy. Yeah. This is our guy because its um, it's often wrapped up into race and it's often wrapped up into, you know, This is, you know, this he he might be stealing, but at least he's, you know, screwing over that community over there that we don't like more um, than he's screwing us over, Um, and it's just like a general, um, I don't know, pervasiveness or a general like a a willingness to to just um, pass through the fact that yeah, these guys are going to fuck us over. Like there there isn't like a (laughs) there isn't a culture. Of, like, Miami is the fourth most corrupt city in the United States. Supposedly. Who are the other three? I gotta hear this. Ah, good question. <laughs> yeah. New York, LA, Chicago, all Hell cities yeah. that are significantly larger than yeah. Miami. Um, supposedly, we're number four. Um, I thought, we're you, were gonna, I thought you were gonna go frog. with, like,
0: Hialeah, Key Biscayne. Like, I thought you were gonna, like, name some <laughs> of our. Yeah,
2: I'm not gonna do that just yet, but. Um, yeah, so you know we're the capital of of healthcare fraud in the United States. We are a we are along with London and and Hong Kong and like two other cities the top destinations in the world for uh, money laundering for real estate fraud. It's insane. It the is way the way that you culture. send
0: the way that you send your kids to Johns Hopkins to Johns Hopkins to learn about medicine is the way that people come here for healthcare fraud. It's yep. like, it's like the Harvard, the Johnson. It's like yeah. the place to go to, to fucking help. Absolutely. Yeah. This
2: is the finishing school. And, and like, look, <laughs> our skyline was built by cocaine. Yeah. Okay. There were bombs going off in the streets in the eighties and the nineties. This is part of, this is part and parcel of Miami. This is how we like you go to Miami beach, half the clubs, if not more, are run by the Russian mob. Are you kidding me? Yep. Like cat? Are you, they, they do everything in cash. Why? Um, but you know, this is part of our history. This is just like ingrained and, you know, my generation that grew up here, um, like this is just the air we breathe. This is, we're fish in the ocean. This is just, you know, what we're traveling through. Um, and we haven't had great Example it happens all the time. You bring up Marlin Stadium, but that's not the be-all and end <laughs> no, no, like all like that stupid, stupid spider bridge that they're building. <laughs> oh my
0: god. Gerald, you haven't seen Hundred... this, have you? No. Okay, no. above, in between, in between the museum center and on the um where the 836 turns into the you know the causeway, uh in between where the Herald used to be and where um the Frost Music, Science Museum is, is that length of freeway. They're building in the shadows of oh my like God, literally it. like you should see like, it, it right below. It is some of the most abject poverty, like op- open air drug markets, like some of the like most deeply in need of social services, parts of the whole state right there. It's like the, the Eastern side of Overtown and they're building a fucking like, I don't I don't even know what it is. It's just like a concrete structure. It's a,
2: it looks like a spider. It looks, it looks like, like a spider. fucking spider. It costs to I, from what I remember. Um, Gerald maybe you can like take you can actually bring up the actual figure it costs over <laughs> is it 100 million dollars
0: I remember You're seeing the I 100 million as a, as as a, like just like it's a yeah. give, it's a giveaway for contract
1: 840 million
0: but that that includes some you that, that the bigger 840 million mark it, it includes I forget Andrew what are they doing they're doing like extra lanes something that you could technically classify yeah. as useful even though we all know that the way that that um, no public transportation study works. Yeah. after
2: study after study it's shows that useful. the more highways lanes you build the more cars go on the highway and congestion does not change what right. changes congestion is public transit they could have exactly. you know s- supposedly they're going to extend the metro mover out to miami beach maybe in 20 years we'll see that maybe. maybe but we paid a half penny tax in the 90s to to send it over to fiu to send it over to the beach and they you know what happened to that half-penny tax? Our politicians <laughs> didn't want to raise taxes. They lowered taxes, lowered taxes and across the board so that they could then a campaign on that. Well, they still needed to pay for all these municipal um, services that they're providing, picking up trash, whatever. Um, and they took the money from that fund and put it into the general fund. Right, okay? to be able to facilitate so
0: tax could, cuts, yeah.
2: Exactly. Exactly. That's what they did. They put. They took the will of the voters of this county, and they shat on it. Yeah. They're just like, "Fuck you." You know what? This doesn't. This is, does not help me personally. But I know how I can turn it so that it will. And that's yeah. what they did. And that's one of the reasons that we don't have. We have a joke of a public transit sector. And I'm harping on this, but it's not the only thing. Obviously, that you know the city is doing ass backwards currently.
1: There's a poetry to this bridge because I have two different angles, one from <laughs> an elevated position, one from ground level. If you have a high enough view, it, I get how, how this could look kind of nice, like ocean waves a little bit like like a little push out a, from each a hundred each million of the dollars nice. But from the ground level it looks like the city is under attack and like it, it, there's kind of a there's kind of a poetry of this can be nice if you can afford for it to look yeah, nice if you, to. If, you can get a, if you have
2: a penthouse this, this yes. is for you everyone yes. else go suck it
1: yeah pedestrians yeah you're
2: you're on your own
0: well one one day it will look it'll look great coming like just like people will wonder like what is that coming up out of the water why is it just you know what, what is this cement just poking out of the water oh there used to be a freeway underneath it yeah
2: it's a really nice it's in 50 years it's going to be such a nice artificial reef it's, it's going to be
0: incredible <laughs> from the uh the more practical um and administrative and uh you know uh policy focused conversation to something a little bit more cultural we had the we introduced this idea a few months ago when we were talking with friend of the show um danny rivera from um, wlrn about, Love him. Yeah, Danny's yeah. a great guy, and uh, he was actually he was at your event. I'm sure you know that. I'm not breaking news yeah. by telling you that. Um. Uh. So, but Danny and I, and well, all, all four of us were talking about this idea of like new kind of a guy, new kind of guy, like a new type of Miami guy, right? And when we were talking about the new type of Miami guy, I wrote a few qualities down, and again, this is a guy who's always been here, but it feels like culturally. And this is a guy who's not an asshole, not bad, and not as many people on the left, like Gerald and I are, um, would be quick to demonize. Uh, this isn't a guy. This is a guy that you go to a heat game with. This is a fun person. Somebody who only in the last few years has gotten weirdly radicalized culturally. And I wrote down these these things. Lifted pickup, perfectly shaped, perfectly shaped beard, shaved head. <laughs> He's one of two body types. Jacked. Or obese. Yeah. He's yeah. either jacked okay. or he's obese. Wears the black American flag hat, owns a gun, uh-huh. and owns a gun but wants to teach you how to responsibly use it. Um, did like two years of college, maybe, usually at FIU or MDC, and is mm-hmm. firmly in the pipeline to become a proud boy or to support, at the very least, policies. Contrary to all the stuff, oh that we're my talking god, about. and you this just is described so guy. many people I know, yeah, yeah, we're at this Yeah, guy they're not from? hard
1: to find, no, no, like, not at they're, all. They're very
0: common, yeah, they're right here they on Road. I can look DMs. outside, yeah. <laughs> this is probably the guy that was sending you DMs, uh, hating on your most recent article. Um, <laughs> yeah, what like to what do you? This is such a broad, open question. I just wanted to introduce the idea of this guy who generally is you catch this guy eight years ago and his biggest concern is like the new Marvel movie coming out. Hey bro, you want to go check mm-hmm. that out? Like, right. or, 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 or whether or not LeBron is going to stick around after losing to the Spurs. <laughs> now his biggest concern is, uh, you know, uh, j- 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 let's go Brandon type shit. Yeah. And, like, it, oh, I, I, they're trying to God. chip me, bro. I I hate, they're trying to chip me. Yeah. I hate, yeah. they're try- The vaccines have chips. <laughs> I hate the way that this guy who I love, who is a friend, who are friends of mine, yeah. the way that this guy and it's a uniquely Miami guy, which is the reason I wanted to talk to you about it. Um, I yeah. don't know. Have you Have you absorbed this in the sound, same way? I, it sounds like maybe you, you know know something.
2: Oh my God! I know so many. That, I I have friends like that. Like I from high school, right? You know, people that you love, you you wish were better, who should know better, and they just aren't. Um, and I I know that guy intimately. Um, I feel like I first thing I want to do is blame.